Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to encourage everyone sometime over this weekend to remember what Memorial Day is about. It's about those who sacrificed their lives to give us our freedoms. And they did so. That's right. We honor our veterans. We honor those. We honor those who gave it all. They were following in the footsteps of the one who gave it all who gave his life to give us our freedom, and who the the son has set free is free indeed. Let's hear from a redeemed free indeed crowd today. Well, I want to thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. I I want to thank the the leadership here at Bethesda. I want to thank Pastor Chad and, and Pastor Karen for giving me this opportunity I want to talk to you today, you know, at this time of year, especially you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, salt life and camping life and river life. And I want to talk to you today about kingdom life, kingdom life, because that's the life that we are meant to live, the kingdom life. If I were to tell you, let's say that I was just talking to somebody off the street who knew nothing about the promises of God. Now, just imagine if you just went up to them and you just started telling them all of the blessings of God, all the blessings of Abraham that that come upon you, all all the blessings, everything that Adam had in the garden that he lost, but Jesus won back for us, all of the blessings, and tell them they're theirs. You, you, You have it all. You can have it all. You can have blessing, prosperity. You can have life. You can have healing. Isn't that what the word says? I mean, what would they say? What would they think? Are you serious? I can walk in all the blessings of God? I can have all these promises? To me, it, it reminds me of uh, Paul and Silas, you know, praising God at midnight while they're, while they're in uh, chains and they're locked in a prison and the chains fall off and the prison doors open to their own accord and the jailer falls down and says, what must I do to be saved? So what must I do? To have what you all have. What must I do to live this kingdom life? It seems to me like the only question that would be left would be, what's it going to cost? What do I have to do to get in on this deal, right? What do I have to do? Well, that's what I'm going to talk to you today about. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to make you... Die to yourself, your selfishness, die to your fear, die to the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of death. Every fear, every anxiety has to die so that you can live in the glory of God. You can live in the promises of God. It's not asking too much. It's a trivial thing that you have to give up in comparison to what you get in return. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, because this is a big one. This one deals with the fear of death. It says, in so much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's us, 
We're here in flesh and blood. He himself likewise, speaking of Jesus, shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Scared of what? Scared of dying. Scared of dying. You're free from the fear of death. Oh, death, where is your sting? You've been born again of incorruptible seed. I submit to you today that when you've surrendered your life to Christ, you've already died. Isn't that what the word said? It said you become one with him in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension. You are now seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of God the Father. Just ring a bell. This is who you are. This is who we are. So you have already chosen your time of death. It's when you made Jesus Lord. You no longer live to yourself. Why? Because the life you now live is not your own. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So why would I be upset with you? Why would I be worried? Why would I be fearful? Why would I do anything? Because it's Christ who lives in me. That is kingdom life. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the kingdom and what it looks like to walk in the kingdom. What it looks like when people don't walk in the kingdom. I'm going to look at a parable here in uh, Matthew 13. 18 through 23, and then we'll go down to uh, 44 through 46. But in this section of Scripture, Jesus was, was preaching a parable about the sower and the different types of soil. And his disciples came to him and they said, we don't understand what you're talking about. Can you explain this to us? And this is what Jesus said. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, we'll say that again, Here's the word of the kingdom. There's that word again. The word of the kingdom. The kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom. Whenever anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who receives the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, some 30. Notice there are four types of soil here. There, there are four places that the seed falls. But there's only one that bears fruit. One. That means 25% are actually honoring the king by bringing fruit and producing for the kingdom. 75% who heard the word did nothing. They did not produce fruit. Last week, we, Pastor Chad talked about honor. If you're going to honor your king, you're going to produce fruit. You're going to bear fruit. You remember when he cursed the fig tree? He 
said, you will not bear fruit henceforth forevermore. And it withered and died. When he went to it, it should have produced fruit. <laughs> it should have said, my master's here. There's a fig. It should have produced fruit right there. But it wasn't doing what it was created to do. So we're going to break this down a little bit and just look at these four types of soil. The first one, it says that they didn't understand it. They heard the word. They didn't understand it. Immediately, the devil took it from their heart. Wasn't going to leave it there so that he could ponder on it and try to get some understanding of it. Immediately snatched it away because they didn't know what they had. The second one, fell into stony places. He had no root. It said when tribulation or persecution came. Why? Because of the word. When tribulation or persecution came, because of the word. Because of the word. That's right. It looks something like this. Oh, so you're a Christian now. Oh, so, oh, you're going to church now. Is that what the deal is? Oh, oh, you're reading your Bible? Are you speaking in parables now? Is that what's going on? Questioning your identity. Who do you think you are? You call yourself a Christian? That's not what you did last week. When tribulation or persecution came because of the word, immediately they fell. That reminds me, it, it says because they had no root in themselves. That reminds me of, 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 of the, the branch and the vine. We can't bear fruit unless we're connected to the vine. So immediately he cut himself off from the vine. He cut himself off from the root. It says immediately he fell. He said, I'm out. I can't, I can't take that. I can't have people laughing at me or, 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 or saying anything that I don't like. I, I can't take that. And he fell away. It said immediately he fell away. Then the seed that fell among the thorns. He heard the word. He received it with gladness. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word. And he was unfruitful. Same result. He didn't bear any fruit. But in this case, I think, I don't know that I need to talk about the, the deceitfulness of riches. Obviously, they were chasing the dollar more than they were chasing God. That's pretty simple, right? The cares of this world, I will submit to you on the cares of this world. It's anything that's not living the gospel. It's anything that's not kingdom life. That's the cares of this world. But then you have the fourth one. Who received the seed. It says that he heard the word and understood it and bare, brought forth fruit and produced. That is kingdom living. Living in the kingdom of God. We drop down to verse 44. It says, again, this is Jesus still talking here. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. For joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. People are plowing fields this time of year, if they haven't already, to plant their crops. You go buy a field. This is what it looks like to me. Just work with me here. You go by the field and you see something sticking up out there in the field. You go out there and you uncover it. It's a crate. You open that crate up, it's full of gold, gold coins, about $10,000 a piece. You cover it back up, put some dirt up around it. You go to the guy who owns that field and you say, what will you take for that field? <laughs> I want to buy it. He says, all right, boy, I wasn't planning on selling it, but since you're offering, let's see, I'll take everything you have. Sold. You got yourself a deal. 
Because I want that field. Why? Why would you be so eager to give up everything you own for that field? Because you know what's in that field. You know the treasure. You know the worth. Now, the true worth would be if you imagine instead of gold in that box, because God uses gold for pavement, instead of gold in that box, it's the word of God. It's a covenant agreement for you to live in the kingdom of God. It's a contract that's laying there. It says whoever signs this contract inherits the kingdom, not a kingdom, the kingdom. Gives you a right to be the rightful heir of the most powerful kingdom ever in existence. I'll take that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. You see, there is nothing that is worth so much that it cannot be exchanged for the kingdom of God. Nothing worth it. There's nothing that can, can compare. Nothing is worth it. So the church at large, at least in America, has two main, major problems that I see. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. And number two, they won't accept who God says they are. So they don't know what they have. And then they're fighting against God by saying they don't have what God says they have. Are you with me? Now, if you really wanted to lay it on the line, you could say they're ignorant because they don't know what they have, and they're arrogant because they think they know better than God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ignorant and arrogant. Because if you knew who you were, you wouldn't say things like, I can't do that. You wouldn't say things like, well, I'm not a king. Well, that was Jesus who did that. You wouldn't say things like, well, somebody needs to step up and do something. You're the only one who can. You're the one who's living the kingdom life. So being humble is accepting who God says you are. You say, well, you're being arrogant. No, that's true humility. <laughs> true humility is to say, I am a king. I am a priest. I am a son of the God, a son of God. I am what God says I am. Well, who do you think you are? That is being humble. That is true humility because you're saying, I'm not thinking or saying that I know better than God. I'm saying, I agree with you, God. Your word says that's who I am. That's who I am. And I will do what you tell me to do because you tell me I can do it. You see the difference? It's not you saying, well, I'm not, I'm not, oh, yeah, I know the Bible says I'm the righteousness of God, but get your butt out of the way. This is about the kingdom. And it says you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. It says that you are holy and set apart, that you're a peculiar people, that you are a holy priesthood. It says then that's what you are. 
So don't back off of that. Don't back off of that. We walk by faith and not by sight because the kingdom is within us. You have to know where the kingdom is. Luke 17, 20 through 21 says, Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, this is Jesus being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. When you show up, heaven shows up. The kingdom of God enters the room. Well, no, that's not me. You better humble yourself. <laughs> that is you. That is you. Stop fighting against God. Stop fighting against God. There's a scripture here in Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but I need some boldness. I can't do that. <laughs> you have boldness. The Bible says you are as bold as a lion. The lion doesn't have to worry about anything. He's the king of the jungle. He can walk right in there. Why? Because he has that kind of freedom. He has that kind of authority. If you think any otherwise... In other words, if you say you're not what God says you are, I have a word for you. And that word is repent. Repent. Now let me tell you what repent means. <laughs> in the New Testament, the word repent in the Greek, well, I'm going to look at it in one particular scripture. You could pick just about any scripture in the New Testament. It's going to be the same, uh, same translation. But Luke 15 and verse 7 says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need, not, need no repentance. That word repent in the Greek means to think differently, to think afterwards, or to reconsider. In other words, change your mind. Change your mind. Isn't that what you had to do when you got saved? You had to change your mind. Say, well, wait, wait a minute, that's what I want. I don't want this, I want that. Change your mind. God says you're one thing, but you think you're another. Change your mind. You have to change your mind to line up with what God says about you. Know who you are so that you won't be ignorant to the promises of God, the blessings of God. So we've established the value of the kingdom. Where the kingdom is, it's within us. Now let's look at operating, the importance of operating in the kingdom. Well, how we operate in the kingdom, kingdom, like we said, is to renew your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Anybody want to know what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is? You're going to have to renew your mind to the word of God. Renew your mind. It's not easy. It's not effortless. It's going to take work. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take sacrifice. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I've got a uh, quote here from Curry Blake. It says, your mind is renewed to the point that the word of God dictates your daily actions. 
Try that one on for size. At the end of the day, you can look back and say, how much did I walk like Jesus today? How much did my daily actions today look like Jesus? How much were they governed by the word of God? Did I do exactly what the word of God would have told me to do, what it does tell me to do, what it commands me to do? So take that to heart. There's a scripture here in Luke 6, 46 through 71 that talks about the way I read it in the Greek. Um, this is the, the Weist New Testament, which is um, taken from the Greek into English. It's the most accurate Greek to English translation that I know of. And it says here in Luke 6, 46 through 71, it says, but why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and are not doing the things that I'm saying? Everyone who comes to me and is hearing my word and is putting them into practice, I will show you to whom he is like. He is a, like a man who is building a house, who dug and went deep and laid a foundation upon the solid rock. And we know it goes on to say the flood came and it couldn't move that house because it was built on the rock. But notice the action here where it says he dug and went deep and laid a foundation on a solid rock. It takes effort. Dig and go deep and make sure that you will not fall. And we see here too, uh, it says, everyone who comes to me, when we say come to Jesus, what are we talking about? We're talking about salvation. You know, when we say come to Jesus, just follow me here. It says, everyone who comes to me, who is hearing my words, and is putting them into practice. You have to come to him. You have to hear his word, and you have to do his word. You have to produce fruit. In Luke 9, 23 through 26, Jesus is speaking here. It says, uh, and he was saying to all, assuming that anyone desires to come after me as a follower of mine, as a disciple, let him disregard his own interests and let him at once and once for all pick up and carry his cross day after day and let him take the same road with me that I take as a habit of life. For whoever desires to save his soul life shall ruin it. But whoever will declare a sentence of death upon his soul life, this one shall save it. For how is a man profited having acquired the whole world and having ruined or forfeited himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of this one, the Son of Man, shall be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Anybody who wants to be a follower, a disciple, a disciple, kingdom life, you could also call it disciple life. You're a disciple. You follow Jesus. It says it's, a, it's enough for you to be like your master. You should be like your master. The word says, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is now, so are we now in this world. We look at, uh, sometimes we hear about the meat of the word. We hear about the, the, the milk versus the meat. We, I was looking here at John 4, 34. Jesus said unto them, my meat, this is what Jesus said about it. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Notice that the meat is connected to the doing. You must do the work. We want to see revival. Revival is bringing dead to life. 
Revival is for outside the church. Awakening is for inside the church. We want to see awakening. We want the church to awake. We put them both together. We want to see revival. We want to see awakening. We want to see a move of God, right? We want to see a move of God. Well, I submit to you, we are in a move of God. We are moving. I declare today that we are initiating a greater move of God. We are moving forward with more force, with more effort. Who's in charge of instituting or initiating a move of God? We are. We're we're the kingdom. When we move, God moves. So when we move, when we do the word, we initiate the kingdom of God. We initiate the move of God. So it's up to us to do it. The main thing we have to do is work on the mind, get the mind in line so that it will do everything that we want it to do. Because when we get the mind lined up with the word of God, we'll do the word. We'll do the word. In uh, Romans 8, 5, and 6, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, that's earthly minded, worldly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'll take the life and peace. I'll take the life and peace. You know that uh, one problem that we have with the church at large is the fact that we're trying to live a resurrected life without dying first. That's called behavioral change. You're just trying to change your behavior. But if you die to the old nature and you take on the new nature, you will change. You will change. Only dead things can be resurrected, and only resurrected things can be alive to God. So you have to die to yourself and live to Christ. I have a quote here from George Mueller. It says, there was a day when I died, utterly died, died to George Mueller. His opinions, preferences, tastes, and will died to the world, its approval or censor, died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I've studied to show myself approved unto God. That's called being born again. That's called kingdom life. You die to become a servant of the Lord. If you're not dead, he's not Lord. If you're not dead, he's not Lord. Because if he's Lord, whatever he says goes. What are you going to do? You're going to tell him no? I don't think that's the way it's going to go around here. No, if he's Lord, you're out of the equation. This is a very, very, very profound section of Scripture. Luke 17, 7 through 10. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. He says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunk, And afterward, you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. 
So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Wow. We think we're doing something. We think we're doing something. Boy, he didn't even thank me. I was out there in the parking lot dodging cars, and I don't even get a thank you. <laughs> you think about the ones like, like, a, like a Reinhardt Bonnke, you know, what, close to 80 million salvation cards, decisions for Christ in his lifetime, or, or a Billy Graham, or a T.L. Osborne, or all these people, you know, and you say, well, thank you for what you did to the kingdom. For what? They did what they were commanded to do. They were just servants of God the same as you. They did what they were commanded to do. The word says go, they went. But that's the word of the Lord. If the praise team will come up, I just want to end with uh, some quotes that I have here that are, that are very, very significant. Uh, all of these men are dead, but I submit to you that they died long before these quotes were taken. They died to themselves, and they were alive unto God. So let's try some of these on. The first one's from Lester Summerall. It says, you are what you are because that is what you really want to be. And when you think about that, you can say, you're where you are because that's where you really want to be. And some people might say, oh, no, it's not. I don't want to be here. I want to be, I want to be somewhere else in life. You know, I want to be, um, if you really wanted to be there, you'd get there. Is that not true? Your ambition would drive you. Your zeal for the Lord would drive you. And you would accomplish if that was truly a priority. You are what you are because that is what you really want to be. Second one, Leonard Ravenhill. This is a tough one. We need to hear it. We seem to think that God is going to reach the dying millions without our obedience. So we sit back and relax in the comfort of our own Christian experience and let them go to hell. Oh, that we would wake up and see our responsibility. That doesn't have to be the case, people. That doesn't have to be the case. We initiate the move of God. This is the... There's only one answer for every problem in the world, and that's you. You're the answer to everyone's prayers. Now, how long have you waited for somebody to tell you that? You are the answer to everyone's prayers. You're the kingdom. You house the kingdom of God. You're the only one who has the authority to change anything. The church. The next one, A.W. Tozer. 
What is closest to your heart is what you will talk about. If God is close to your heart, you'll talk about him. Wow. We spend so much time in trivial, trivial conversation. Just saying things that don't even matter. But when you speak the truth in love, your words have so much power. They can change a life in an instant. The next one's from Smith Wigglesworth. It says, enter into the promises of God. It is your inheritance. You will do more in one year if you are really filled with the Holy Ghost than you could do in 50 years apart from him. It's not without reason the scripture says that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power. That word power means miraculous ability. You don't need miraculous ability to hold a chair down. <laughs> Your weight will do that fine. <laughs> Most of us don't have a problem with that. But you do need miraculous ability to be a witness. He says, go and be witnesses. Start here and go. Start here and go. Start here and go. Next one's from Reinhard Bonnke. Hebrews 11 says that the elders gained their place in Scripture by acting on faith. It was not because of their saintliness. Sermons are preached on the virtues of such men as Moses and Abraham, but the Holy Spirit spotlighted them for their faith only. Say, oh, but they were great men of God. The Holy Spirit, men led by the Holy Spirit who wrote the Holy Scriptures, what did they say? They spotlighted their faith only. said, we're, we're not saying anything about the rest of them. They had good, they had bad in their life, but it was their faith that got them where they went. It was their faith that put them in the, the hall of fame, the hall of faith, Hebrews 11. You've got what it takes. You have the faith. There's nothing blocking, not, nothing stopping a move of God except for us. If the body won't move, it doesn't matter how many times the head tells it to go. The body has to be obedient. The head can say, move, go, get up. But if the body doesn't stand, it'll never go anywhere. It's time for the church to stand up and move. You'll stand with me today. We are here. We have the kingdom. God has made us ready. Now we must ready ourselves. The world needs us. Let's go. Let's go. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
I'm going to give you an invitation. Now, whether you have my invitation or not doesn't really matter because you can accept Christ anytime, anywhere. But don't wait until it's too late. So I'm going to give you an invitation to pray, to receive Jesus, to pick up your cross once and once for all, and to carry it day after day as a disciple, to live this kingdom life. You say, oh, but I'm giving up so much. You're giving up nothing. You're giving up nothing in comparison to what you're gaining. Absolutely nothing. That's the, that's the idea of repentance, just changing your mind to see who God is. I think that's the biggest change, is when you see who God is, you realize he's not your enemy, he's your friend. Stop running away from him and run to him. In the, in, in the Greek language, when it talks about preaching, it talks about proclaiming with such a formality and gravity and authority that it must be heeded and obeyed. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we are called to go out to the highways and the byways and to what? To com compel them, compel them to come in, to come into the kingdom, to come into the kingdom. That's our job. And that's what we want to do today. We want to give you that opportunity, but not only give it to you, we want to stress the importance of it and let you know that this isn't something trivial. This is the kingdom of God. This is the only thing that really matters. And in saying that, I need to say that if you leave here today not in a relationship with Jesus, that you're telling me you're okay going to hell. You either are heaven ready or you're on your way to hell. There's no in between. So right now, if that is you, if you want to give your life to Christ, whether you're in-house or online, I just ask that you'll pray this with me. Father God, forgive me of all sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I believe on Jesus, that he died, that he rose again. Now I confess, Jesus is Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for his salvation today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.